Week three is upon us. What's up? It is the Air It Out podcast brought to you by InsideTheHashes.com where you can get all your football fill-up needs. You want college football? Got you. You want the pros? We got you. We've talked to high school kids. We got you. Everything you need for football, InsideTheHashes.com. Find us on social media as well. Christopher Thomas, Avery Collins, Tyler Brando, and Kevin Crockett here with the Air It Out podcast focusing on week one and two and now week three of the NFL. Gentlemen, I'm going to start with you, Chris. Who would you rather be, the Buffalo Bills or the Arizona Cardinals? <laughs> right? That's the perfect answer right there. It's just crickets. I'd rather be the nobody crickets. Arizona? Question mark? Yeah. Yeah, Avery, what do you got? Um, I think Buffalo. See, I, I think the only answer here is Arizona because I feel like Buffalo's traded away any asset that they could potentially have at this point. So at least Arizona could be like, maybe we get something for Fitz or something just, like that. The reason I say Buffalo is because the division isn't as strong as Arizona's is, and Buffalo's defense still isn't terrible. It's not good. It's just not. They, they both, got, they both got, of your they, faces trying to make a point right now. Yeah, like, it's, uh, it's are you, really, are you like, really sure they got they got cornerbacks quitting at halftime? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, hey. What do he you was, like? He was probably the best thing going for him. You know what? It takes a lot for you to 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 as a human being be like, okay, yeah, like this, like I cannot do this anymore. But like, pull your defensive back coach aside and be like, dog, like. I'm going to keep my uniform on. If we get in desperation mode, I'm fine. But like make up an injury. Say you got, say, say like I hit the ground hard, my head hurts. And then afterwards leave. <laughs> Don't leave during the game. <laughs> I he mean, was in street clothes before the game was even when over. When you know, you know, you just I know, know when you know, you know, but there's a time to know and there's a time to go and you can't do it in the middle of a game. But when it's time to go, you just know and you just got to go. You just got to go. I mean, so a, a friend of mine, Deontay Daniels, he said it like on the post um, we were talking about in in the football the football chat page. It's kind of like, why would you essentially hold a team hostage? You know, one you know for for money too. It's a situation where it's just like if you're not there mentally anyway, like because they they said he, he he pointed out like at halftime, pregame, whatever. It's just like there's always somebody in the locker room. It's like yo, if you're not here to play, if you're not here, go home. And they mean that. They're dead serious. Like, go home right now because we are we are here risking our, our lives and our livelihood. Like, so if you're not here for it, go home. So okay. maybe Vontae took that literal and said, all right, cool, I'm out. Peace. But not go home. When they say go home, <laughs> they don't mean, like, go home. I guess what I'm saying is yes. Okay. And to the point, like, he understood his physical capabilities. He understood where he was mentally. But, mm-hmm. like, there's still a way to go about that. Like, oh, yeah, like just sure. exactly like I said, just, yo, I got hit in the head. I'm seeing stars. I need to chill out. Go sit on the bench for the rest of the game. And then at the end of it, be like. Uh, yeah, no, I agree 110%. But here's the real question, which is funnier. John Gruden's comments about this Khalil Mack situation or what Vontae Davis did, which is funnier. No, it's definitely Vontae Davis. <laughs> like, Gruden, like, Gruden can't get out of his own way right now. But, oh but like, like, forever, anytime something happens in a, like, th- there was that boxing match. What was it, like a month ago? Where, oh, the, yeah, dude, yeah, where yeah. the dude just walked out of yeah. the ring. Now, he wanted a payday. He had a exactly, whole reason to right, do it. Yeah, yeah. He's going to continue to box. 
But any moment like that moving forward, it's just like, yo, he pulled Avante Davis. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah. your legacy. That's right it. Now. Ten years in the NFL player. A very good corner for yes. a lot of that time. Like a Pro Bowl and corner. His, his, yeah. Yes, his legacy now is that dude that just left. He just peeled mid-game. Woo! Yeah. And uh, uh, for, for those listening Here's out the there, thing. Not left for nope. some catastrophic reason. Oh, somebody's got a car accident. So, nope. I retired. Nope. I'm done. Just... <laughs> Not li- Secured like secured the bag and left. Wasn't, okay. wasn't like I got called to Jesus. Like yeah. I got, I got in this moment and had to go I'm now. Good. Nope, I'm good. Just. I'm well, done. Just not Peace. for me, dog. See you guys. That's a no for me, dog. Well, the good news is, <laughs> nah. uh, just to circle back to the beginning of the conversation, uh, the Bills and Cardinals don't play at all this year. I think I'd rather watch a preseason game between two good teams than watch the Bills and Cardinals right now because both of those teams just seem like who, who's getting the first pick in the draft. You know, it's funny when we did when we did our our season review before it all started. We all thought. Tampa Bay was probably the team that was looking to pick number one right now. Yeah, yeah. Those Florida teams, Tyler and right. I were just talking about, those Florida teams are 6-0. and Yeah. Who saw that coming? No one. Nobody. So who's picking one? Oakland. Oakland. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Um, Arizona. You got to think Oakland. I mean, Oakland, really, they were playing a good game against L.A. and then let so, it get away. Yeah. They found a way to lose against Denver. You got to think at some point they're able to scrape a couple of wins together. But yeah. Really, like really, after the first two weeks, Arizona and Buffalo could both do not look better than the Cleveland Browns did last year to me. Yeah, yeah. Arizona looks really bad. Like the like David Johnson doesn't even look good. Like the and the entire, it just it looks it looks bad. So the NFL doesn't do this often, especially because well the problem with the trade deadline in the NFL versus like you know. And when a baseball season comes around, if you got a bunch of guys on your roster that are that are high paid that could go and play somewhere else and get paid, mm-hmm. you can step into another roster on a baseball team and get paid. The big problem with the NFL, and I think a big problem I, I can specifically say as an Eagles fan this week, where everybody seems a little bit upset that they picked up Jordan Matthews and didn't go out and get Josh Gordon, is there's a playbook to learn. Like these guys, mm-hmm. these guys to a to a point can come in and just step in right away. But there is a the reason why the trade deadline there's not all these moves being made like crazy is because these guys have to learn and all, it's like trying to learn it's like if you if, if you understand Spanish a little bit but then you have to be fluent of it in a week. Right. That's not easy to do. Uh so I wonder if you are you know we brought up my point about rather being Arizona than Buffalo is at least you've got tradable assets. At what point do you – we don't see this in the NFL. At what point do you just say, okay, all these guys are on the table. Uh, Patrick Peterson's on the table. David Johnson just got a new contract, so I, I, I would imagine they're trying to build around him. But at what point do you say, Larry Fitzgerald, Patrick Peterson, all these guys are on the table, and do you just start going like, hey, we'll take the best offer we can get? Is that realistic in the NFL? I mean, I, I believe it's realistic, but you're not getting rid of Larry. Um, because he's, I mean, he has to be a Cardinal lifer. He has to be. I don't know they, that I agree with that because, and I see Chris and Tyler both kind of shaking their head at that too. If I really think if Larry Fitzgerald quietly went to the Bidwell family and was like, this, yeah. this, this isn't like, no, I, I believe, I believe if he said that, yes, I just feel like he is in, he's far too. Oh, I, to I would, so. I would agree that the Arizona Cardinals wouldn't just blindly trade yeah. Larry Fitzgerald. And I, I, I feel like he wouldn't do that because. Prior to the year, he was contemplating retirement in in the first place. So I feel like he's like, I and mean, he says, "I'll give him, one, I'll give you guys one more year." Yeah, and it's just like I'll just give you one more year, and you know, kind of, you know, just fade out into the sunset. 
Um, so I don't think in what team really right now would look for a Larry Fitzgerald, you know, an older type receiver. Uh, I'm not saying I'm not saying that there are no teams. I'm just saying that you got to you're essentially taking a receiver for half a season just to for him to potentially retire at the end of the season. Um, and then, like, I mean, I guess the only like like to your point, Patrick Peterson. Yeah, for sure. He's to me the most tradable asset because, like you said, David Johnson's got the new contract. Um, and there's plenty of teams that could use a Patrick Peterson, a, a team like Seattle. Who just like their their secondary is like? Uh, who would have thought we'd say that two years ago? Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like so, uh, Seattle could use them. I mean, I mean, any team could really use Patrick Peterson. If we're being honest, uh, the the Eagles. I mean, Jalen Mills was getting cooked. I don't mean, let him. Don't let him hear you say that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen. The facts are the facts. It was it was bad. God, but, that's what. That's what if he was ugly. It was bad. But. Like which is there's. Granted, it's Deshaun Jackson. He's really no, fast. no, 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 no. But, but, but to Chris's point, like there's, there's letting people know that they had a bad game. But people are hurtful. Yeah. Like you got to have a special yeah. heart to be an NFL like, player oh, because, yeah. especially in the like NFL. they're saying you need to get cut. You need to lose your job. Worse like, than that, there's, yeah. there's. Th- Listen, like, I'm, I'm being PG right yeah. now. I've said it before, and I stick by it. Maddox should be the starting outside corner. That's just my I, personal. I. Well, here's the thing. I think Jalen Mills would be better suited in the slot. I don't think so because typically when you're going against a slot receiver, it's somebody a little bit more shifty. Just take Nelson Aguilar, for example. I don't know if Jalen Mills' problem right now is keeping up with dudes. I don't think that he should be covering guys like Nelson Aguilar. Now, what shape is Sidney Jones in? Do you kick Sidney Jones outside? True. And Maddox obviously played a lot of slot when he was at Pittsburgh. That's part mm-hmm. of the reason why they drafted him. So also true. I don't know that I believe in taking Jalen Mills completely off the field. However, I, I, I have a little more I have a little more of a question for Jim Schwartz as that's, a defensive yeah, coordinator. That's yeah. what I was saying as well. I was like, his front seven, you know what you're gonna get. Like he, he's good at getting people for the front seven. Secondary wise, it's kinda like he do, I don't know, it's like he doesn't get it. Like they looked out with Darby, but it's like it's kind I don't I don't know. To me, the other issue is like he, he, they're not playing him. Jalen in the position that or in the defense that he can succeed. He's a zone corner. We all can see it. His feet aren't that great. The double moves he gets destroyed on. So <laughs> yeah. it's just like that. Those are things that that typically lend itself to. All right, so this guy can't really play man. He can and look at what happens when he's got his eyes on the quarterback. He's a much more efficient player. To me, I think he's like Asante Samuel 2.0. Like he man coverage is just not his strong suit. You play him in zone and he. He looks like one of the top-tier corners in the league. Well, to boomerang back to the Arizona point in trade assets, um, you have to also possibly consider giving up Chandler Jones as well. Mm. Uh, Chandler Jones, he had led the league in sacks last year. A lot of people didn't know that was 17. So he had just about a sack every single game. So when you take Patrick Peterson and Chandler Jones and consider lobbying for Larry Fitzgerald, that's a, that's a pretty good haul that you could possibly get for those three guys to eventually build around Josh Rosen because that offensive line is horrible. Well, you got to think that they're – so they moved the NFL trade deadline back to week eight. used to be week six to try, yeah. so, because the NFL knew, okay, all these other leagues, trade deadline day is 
a monster. Yeah. Uh, one of the fortunate things that the NFL has going for them is parity because there's a lot of teams that, that can hang around or go. Yeah. One yeah. of the negative things that obviously happens for the NFL in that situation is parity because there's not a lot of teams that are well out of it in advance enough to be like, okay, we, we should blow this up and start all over. To your point about Chandler Jones, really, I shouldn't say really easy to get 17 sacks. It's not what I mean. But when your defense is constantly on the field because you can't generate offense, eventually <laughs> some of your defensive players are going to are gonna stand out on the stat sheet for defenses that aren't very good, which you, you wouldn't expect to say with two of the guys that we mentioned on Arizona's defense and Peterson and Jones. But um, – but you, you not that you hope, but it, I think it would be incredible for the NFL to actually have in in week six if if Arizona's one and five or zero oh and six to all of a sudden here, if hypothetically we're, we're talking about the Eagles right now, if all of a sudden Eagles are still sputtering a little bit, well Larry Fitzgerald's out there, you know, if if <laughs> heck we're talking about the Eagles, if Jalen Mills continues to have problems, you know, Patrick Peterson's out there. Is, uh, and the Falcons need Chandler Jones. And if the Falcons need Chandler Jones, maybe they can go out there and get him. I happen to know Not two Pittsburgh Steelers that uh, might potentially be oh. up for grabs. As that situation just gets stickier and stickier in Steel Town. Mm -hmm. uh, Le'Veon Bell, obviously, we know not playing with that franchise tag, waiting and waiting. What is it, 800 some odd thousand dollars he's given up a week? Yeah. Yeah, at this at, point, I think after the game, it was up to 1.5, 1.7. Yeah. Something like that. He's given up so far. Think about what it would take for you. But think about your job and think about what it would take if you were upset with your job for them to be like, you're going to come back to work, right? You'd be like, not unless you give me, if they were like, we'll give you $500. You're like, all right, I'll be in all one day. <laughs> he's passing. He's already 1.5 million, yeah. which I understand. He's, he's you know, he's, mm -hmm. he mm -hmm. is a valuable mm -hmm. asset in and of himself and he's trying to protect himself. But now, Antonio Brown, who was very visibly frustrated in that Kansas City game, despite leading the league in targets, targeted 33 times, not leading the league in catches, but targets, targeted 33 times so far this season, visibly frustrated on the sideline. As the story goes, a former Pittsburgh Steeler PR member tweeted out that Ben has made Antonio Brown and Antonio wouldn't be who he was elsewhere, hmm. to which Antonio said, Go ahead and trade me, dog. Uh, I paraphrase a little bit, but he did say trade me, and yeah, obviously let's find out. Drew Rosenhaus came out and was like, but no, 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 he's not looking to get traded. He was just responding to somebody. So I'll ask you both: Who is the more valuable asset, and what is the price to get either of those assets? Because right now Pittsburgh is zero and two. Oh one and one. Oh well, yes, oh one and one. But that Cleveland game. <laughs> That Cleveland game is kind of a, it's more of a loss than it was more of a win, even though it's a tie. But uh, Chris is funny. seriously, no, no wins to this point. So I'll ask you if Pittsburgh finds himself in a, themselves in a situation with an aging Ben Roethlisberger, how many years does he really have left? How many years are you going to depend on that? This could be one of those teams that we're talking about has a lot of valuable assets, mm. big money assets that they can get off the books if they can get them out of there. So I'll ask you, who would you trade for out of those two? And what's the price you're willing to give up? Chris, I'm going to go ahead and start with you. The most valuable piece would have to be Antonio Brown, totally just because of his contract. He believe he has, after this season, he has three years left on his deal. So it's a lot more of a certain commodity at what you're getting. Um, the multiple seasons with 100-yard catches, the catch radius, the route tree. It's a more desirable piece, even though he's 30 years old. But when you look at wide receivers, they could play up to like 35, 36. Look at Larry Fitzgerald. Look at Jerry Rice. Look at a bunch of other Hall of Fame wide receivers playing like well into their mid to late 30s. 
the price tag probably a first and like a probably a first and a third, okay. which I would have to give up. Okay. The only reason why I would trade like for Brown for Brown instead of Bell is because Bell at the end of the at the end of the season you have to pay him. So as opposed to getting Antonio Brown, still getting the best three years out of him, and if worst comes to worst, you don't you're not guaranteed you're not giving him any guarantees after you trade him. I don't argue anything you said. And honestly, you know, coming into this, I'm like, I really, it was hard for me to choose. But I think, I mean, because like, it's like, to me, it's like, all right, the more valuable asset is Antonio Brown. However, I don't know, because like, so if you're looking at Le'Veon Bell, like, like, so you said Antonio Brown is the most targeted receiver in the league already in the first two games. Yet the numbers aren't equal to what they would have been, let's say, last year with Le'Veon Bell, which to me, like, it kind of lends itself more toward Le'Veon Bell because it's like, though James Conner is, is, is playing very well, teams don't fear him, right? Teams fear Le'Veon. That's the reason that, you know, team, that, I mean, teams really game plan against him. They can't game plan against, all right, we got we to stop the run. Like, I don't, I don't know if teams – this is going to sound crazy, but I think teams are more satisfied with Antonio Brown beating them than they are with Le'Veon Bell because I feel like with Le'Veon Bell, it opens up those lanes for Antonio Brown because you have to bring a safety down to stop this guy. You've got to have somebody who really can cover cover Le'Veon Bell because you're not just putting a linebacker like you or any old linebacker. You've got to have somebody who can cover because this guy is that good as a receiver out the backfield as well. So it's kind of like, to me, I think – you know, and then with with the, I don't know. To me, it just it feels like a, another Khalil Mack situation where it's just like, all right, you don't pay this guy. Another team pays him, and he starts, and he just balls out. Like, and I feel like that would be the case with Le'Veon because I feel like Le'Veon Bell. And I'm not saying that I agree with the the statement that oh Ben Roethlisberger, uh, ben Roethlisberger makes Antonio Brown. I I don't agree with that. I think Antonio Brown himself is good. I do believe though that he's more dependent on Ben Roethlisberger than a Le'Veon Bell is. Like Le'Veon Bell. To me, he just doesn't need as much, quote-unquote, help, for a lack of a better term, as Antonio Brown does. He needs somebody to throw him the ball, somebody who's going to be accurate, somebody who, knows, who uh, knows how to make the right reads and the right check downs and different things like that. As opposed to Le'Veon Bell, you give him, you block long enough, he's patient enough to run behind, to me, any line. Like, so I just I think I, would, I think I would rather have Bell. See, that's the thing. You said um, Le'Veon Bell is probably one of the more patient running backs we've seen in the NFL, mm. but that's the point. When you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers' offensive line, you think of Pouncey, you think of, like, they have plenty of Pro Bowl offensive oh, yeah, linemen. Sure. Yeah, 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 So sure. with Bell and just about with any other running back, if you don't have that good of an offensive line, it doesn't matter how good you are. Look at David Johnson. He's one of the probably the top five running backs in the league, and he can't get nothing going because Arizona's line is terrible. See, but we're talking about running styles now. That's what I'm saying. And that's why I le- lend- lended it to the running style matter- more so than to the talent. Like, the talent, as far as David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell, there's not really a drop-off either either way. It's the running style. The way the way that Le'Veon Bell runs lends itself more so to I can run behind anybody because I'm just that patient, right? Because, like, if, you, if you're watching the Steelers in the run game, especially, like, those, those power plays and the zones and the stretches – they're not really blocking that long, and they're not really blocking that hard. They're blocking enough for Le'Veon to find a seam. 
because they know he's that patient. They don't have to. It's funny, like if you you think about if you if we watch the Atlanta Falcons, there's a difference between the way the offensive line blocks with Devontae Freeman and the way they block for Tevin Coleman. They don't have to block the same for Tevin because he's a slasher. He's going to put his foot in the ground. and He's going. Devontae Freeman dances a little more, right? So it's just like they got to block a little longer. They got to block a little harder. Le'Veon's the the way he runs. It's kind of like well, let me just get my hands on him. And then when Le'Veon decides, then boom, now I can engage this guy and turn him or whatever because he's going to find it. That's all he does. He sits and finds it. You, you see him all the time with his hand on the, on the back of a lineman just waiting for the lane to open up. So I just feel like it lends itself. His running style lends itself to be able to be like, well, I can run by anybody. So, so who shows their hand first in this situation? So I'll ask a question that I guess is kind of twofold. One, do you think – the Pittsburgh Steelers would seriously have either have seriously listened to inquiry inquiries about Le'Veon Bell. And do you think they actually would trade him or do you think that it, could you force it? Because I certainly could, if he's going to wait this long, I could foresee a situation where Le'Veon Bell comes back because he has to mm. report and doesn't even bring, bring his helmet out to the sidelines and just says, okay, I'm here. I'm on the 53, but, hmm. uh, but I'm not hitting the field. So I guess my question is, who shows their hand first? And uh, we, we talk about week eight being the trade deadline. But I guess give me an over-under 50% chance that Le'Veon Bell is not with the Pittsburgh Steelers at week nine. Avery, I'll start with you. I'm going to say 65%. Um, that he's not with that the Pittsburgh not, Steelers. That he's not with the okay. And to your question, like as far as the, who shows their hand, I think it really really depends on if Pittsburgh gets a win. If they start winning, obviously winning fixes everything, right? If they don't, Le'Veon's going to literally look at them like, I told you, I'm proving my value. Y'all wouldn't start 0-1-1 if I was on the team. Because, like I said, teams have to game plan against me, which opens up the field for Juju and Antonio and yada, yada, yada. So I, I, to me, I just feel like, which I think is a really good point because I think if you, of course, you always like to say like, 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 what if, you know, we talk mm -hmm. about what if Carson Wentz was quarterbacking instead of Nick Foles mm. the first two games, what do they look like? But I think we could have a real honest conversation that as good as James Conner has been in week one and week two, mm -hmm. if Le'Veon Bell is a running back against Cleveland, you got, you got to think at least Pittsburgh finds one more point somewhere mm -hmm. to win that game. Mm -hmm. And if he's a, the running back against Kansas City, even after getting down 21 nothing, what was the final score, 42-37? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, is Le'Veon Bell worth a touchdown? I'd, I'd like to think so. So I guess, Chris, I'll go to you with this then. Who, who shows their hand first, and do you see Le'Veon Bell with the Pittsburgh Steelers at week nine of the NFL season? I think if you're Pittsburgh – I think you really have to start seriously fielding offers because I don't. The reason why I mainly don't think Le'Veon Bell is going to show is because the teammates and the brass have essentially just burned that bridge to the point where it's like Le'Veon mm -hmm. Bell. Oh, listen, we don't need you anymore. Uh, we got James Conner. We're we're only focused on the people who we have right now. Antonio Brown is really the only player on that team. It's kind of similar to like the Kawhi Leonard situation in San Antonio where Danny Green is the only one that went to bat for them. When you look at Tony Parker and like everybody else have just ganged up on him and saying basically telling him how wrong he is. Is that true though? I mean, if Le'Veon has been if they have been having communication back and forth and let's just say hypothetically the numbers 16. 16 million is the number he has in his head and Pittsburgh won't go past 14.5 and he won 16 or whatever the case may be. 
I certainly would imagine if they gave him a call today and said, all right, three years, 48 million, 40 million guaranteed. He'd be like, all right, I black agree. and gold. Let's go. And I agree. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I agree. I just don't, I just don't know if they would, like I said, I, me personally. And that's why I said, I think that the Steelers would have to show to him first. Cause like I said, if they go down on, on three, on four, then I could see that happening more so. But I just, I don't know. Part of me feels like they're going to write the ship and start winning some games. And because of that, I feel like they're going to start leaning toward, uh, well, we don't need him. They play Tampa Bay this week, who I'm sure everybody thought was a – I'm sure New Orleans and Philadelphia both thought those were wins to start their season. But now all of a sudden you're playing a team who is scoring at at a pace that the – look at the Kansas City Chiefs last week. Yeah, yeah, scoring at a pace like that. So they could very easily be 0-2-1. That's so stupid that you have to say that. Yeah. I think one of the, I think the Le'Veon Bell's teammates wrote one of the cardinal rules: you never count another man's money. And I think mm. that's the reason why that I don't think that this is a relationship that's just going to be paired just because Le'Veon has his money. He he, like players like to feel like they're wanted there, and it's like if they feel slighted in any kind of way, then they're going to hold that for like the probably like the rest of their entire career. I do, I do, I, I agree with that because, like, I'm, and this is me being an athlete. If I heard my offensive linemen say, granted they're right, but if I heard them publicly saying, oh, well, we're the ones that are blocking for you and we're not even getting as paid as much as you are and that's selfish. If I heard that, I'd be like, oh, word. All right, well, well y'all clearly don't really. Like, I thought this was a brotherhood. Right. I thought that. Players are supposed to look out for players. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I, I understand you look out for the, the, the whole of the team as well, but. It's like at the end of the day, they they'll do the same thing to you that they're doing to me. Is Mike Tomlin overrated? I love I love the demeanor of Mike Tomlin. Like if I had to, if I was a coach or a general manager, I love the way that he seems very much like a player's coach. Uh, I, I love the way he handles himself at press conference because he's to the point. Like if they went out there and looked like booty this week, he's going to come up to the podium and tell you all the reasons why they did. But this is a team that he inherited a hall of fame quarterback. He yeah. inherited a, a, a recent super bowl champion, relatively recent super bowl champion yeah. from, from uh, Bill Cower. Yeah. He has Dick LeBeau, who's a hall of fame. Well, not anymore, which, which maybe you're starting to see yeah. who, what, what was kind of the glue of that defense that he was supposed to be a, a brainchild of there. He won a super bowl, obviously early in his tenure, the second, first or second year as head coach of the yeah. Steelers. And has since that now granted the New England Patriots are in that conference who obviously are a force to be reckoned. And so with, is Peyton but, Manning. Right, right. So uh, is you know is, is Mike Tomlin a guy that you would say is overrated? I feel like I wouldn't say that if their defense hasn't been non-existent since Dick LeBeau left. Really, you were home against Jacksonville in the playoffs last year. And Blake Bortles and Leonard Fournette came into your house and put up points. Uh, and, and obviously the Patriots went into Pittsburgh, came back and won that game. Granted, on a weird Jesse James touchdown, no touchdown call. But, I mean, this is a team that, against good teams, has not played defense. I, I don't know if I would say overrated. I would say how maybe. Hot, when does his seat get hot? I feel like he hasn't had a hot seat. When does it get hot? Um, yeah, I could, like I said, uh, round, if, if, if it becomes an 0-5 situation, I think his, his seat gets hot. I mean, but at the same time, I think the, the organization. 0-5-1. Chill. 
I think the, the, the organization does look at certain things like other dynamics, like the fact that Shazier isn't on the field. Like the fact that since Shazier has been out, the defense has been terrible. And I, I know that I, I don't want to put that solely on that because at the end of the day, it's next man up and you should be able to coach your players and to be able to, you know, but at the same time, it's really hard to replace, you know, marquee guys on your defense. Um, so I think the organization will look take that into account. But I yeah, I think maybe like oh five and one or oh six and one, then then it, they'd be like, all right, you know, uh, we we may need a change. But then again, they might be like, you know, Ben might be out of here. We need a veteran coach for whoever you know if we're going to go with Mason Rudolph. We need a veteran coach who, you know, so it, it might be a situation. It might be a, a a Marvin Lewis situation where they're like, well, this is our guy. So um, I'm not sure. I think if because I think a lot of us had Pittsburgh in the playoffs with really with really like little resistance from probably Baltimore, but it's looking like the Bengals are mm. really hitting their strides. And if they lose out in their division and worst case scenario, miss the playoffs, then that seat is really starting to get hot. Real quick. Just want to point out that Crockett did pick the Bengals last week. He did. He did say that. He, he said, did. I don't know. He said, I don't know why, but I got this feeling. I don't think I was saying AJ Green <laughs> three first half touchdowns or anything like that. Nah, but, nah, but he definitely, he definitely picked the Bengals. Uh, who have a big game this week going against Carolina in Carolina, which Ooh. could be a very interesting mm. game. Yeah. Go Bengals. Yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Other other big games. Go- I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. What are you but I think it's going to get to a point where I would love, like, if I was a player, I would love to play for Mike Tomlin. But you got to think, like, all this turmoil that's going on between what's going on with Le'Veon Bell, why Antonio Brown didn't show up at all, um, Ben Roethlisberger, the offensive line, the defense not being in shape. It's going to get – I think it's right. I think it's getting slowly to the point where – you're going to kind of get to like an Andy Reid scenario. Like it's kind of similar like Tomlin ever since Dick LeBeau left, that defense wasn't really the same. It's like Andy Reid's tenure in Philadelphia since Dick, when Jim Johnson passed away, that defense like never really recovered and really got in the form. And like slowly after that year after year, like the, he just both sides, just both parties began to like burn out. Here's something that we hear a lot. And that's all I ask you guys. Do you think Tomlin's lost the locker room? I think it's slowly becoming like, between Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown not showing up on time for practice and not in, like, film, it's slowly getting there. I, I would say you made a point earlier when we were talking about Pittsburgh that winning fixes everything. Mm. But when you're winning a lot and you keep getting to that window and you go to push it open or kick that door open, you're always right there, yeah. and, and, and you don't get through it, yeah, I think things start to wear thin a little bit, and maybe people start to think, okay, well – We've been doing this now. We've been banging this drum for a while now and have had – we've been a good team, but we haven't been great in a while. And I think certainly for guys who there, – there are a lot of players in that team who have been in that locker room for a while now, maybe think, okay, maybe some fresh blood would be something that would do us a little bit better moving forward. Yeah, because for some strange reason, for all their times in the playoffs, the, the only times they made it to the Super Bowl is like when they never played the Patriots. Hmm. And whenever they do – Belichick and Tom Brady just get them out of there. They didn't need to play the Patriots. Yeah, and it's like now, like you're seeing team. (laughs) Yeah, and now you're seeing like Jacksonville like surpassed you in like what you should be probably like a power team in the AFC, and you see teams like Jacksonville pass you. Another thing, since we're talking about the Steelers, shout out to Patrick Mahomes. 
This dude is balling. You know, oh my I, I think he's one of those guys that, especially as like you're doing fantasy and stuff like that. By the way, you can check out all of our uh, fantasy info at insidethehashes.com. Uh, I think he's one of those guys that you thought like, could he have that like Deshaun Watson effect? But you you weren't ready. And, and even though Andy Reid, who breeds quarterbacks and mm-hmm. got rid of Alex Smith in a great year, yeah. mm-hmm. you thought to yourself, like, okay, maybe, but that division, and maybe he's coming in. I know he can throw the ball hard. I know he can throw it deep, but is he accurate? Young man is balling. Yeah, and the thing, it's not like <laughs> – the crazy part is it's not like he's doing stuff where it's just like, oh, okay, he should make those throws. You're looking at – I'm like – you're like, is this guy here already? Like, he's really playing good quarterback play. Like, yeah. reads, check downs, everything. I'm like, this dude is really balling. And right shout now. out. And I also said that of all the second-year quarterbacks, he was going to have the best – he was going to have the most impact. You did say that. Well, they have San Francisco for their first home game. Not only has he done it, he's done it on the road right. twice. Yeah. Uh, as the Chiefs are going to host the 49ers this week. So, real quick, I'm going to get you guys with a couple of picks for me. So, we'll go back to that Bengals-Panthers game real quick. Who do you like? Chiefs and Niners? No, we're going to start Bengals-Panthers. We'll come to Chiefs and Niners in a second. It's tough to go against Carolina at home. Bengals. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go Bengals, too. I think that, like, like I said, there's just that Bill Lazor effect that kind of worked with them as the, as the season progressed uh, last season. And Carolina, just so Jekyll and Hyde. Like, mm. sometimes they look untouchable, and sometimes they look there's nothing I can say about being touched. That's going to sound good. So they look very touchable. Sometimes. <laughs> uh, 49ers at Kansas city. Can San Francisco make that a game? Or are we looking at Kansas city to do what they've been doing and just keep running with it? They can make it a game, but it's their home opener. I don't see Kansas city losing the arrowhead. Agreed. And finally LA versus LA four Oh five on Sunday chargers and Rams. Do the chargers uh, have a chance to knock off the currently undefeated Rams. Wait, which LA team is home? LA. <laughs> Yeah, how does that work? Like, I'm sure they have their own locker rooms and stuff oh, like that. But man. like, it's it's like, come on, dog. Like, well, although they're not playing in the soccer stadium, they're playing in. I think they, I think it is a Rams home game. So I'm gonna go Chargers. I'm gonna go Rams. I think the the defense is just. I like the Chargers too. I think the Chargers are able to pull it off. All right. So one last thing before we wrap it up, as we are uh, getting ready to wrap up week three of the NFL season with the Air Out Podcast. Really quickly, this is driving me nuts because we've obviously stumbled over it in this podcast alone. Give me an overtime rule that's real because this is like, Mm. I don't care how you try. I know there's a collective bargaining agreement. I know you're thinking about player safety, but you can't tell me that at least if you're, I have two ideas. One is very obvious. You can't tell me if you're going to play a 10 minute overtime period that you can't at least do the college rule. Start at the 25. I was going to say that. But better yet, I have a better one. I have a better one. And this week showed it. And as fantasy owners, I think people would be into this because this will put much more value on a position. Kickers. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. There, let's yep. call it. Let's call it like pig. Home team gets to come out. Kicker gets to pick where he wants to kick from. I'm going to kick from the right hash. 40-yard field goal. If I hit it, you match it. You pick the next one. You pick the hash. You pick the yard line. And we just go back and forth, and we make these dudes earn their contracts because I can tell you there's nothing more frustrating than playing football forever and seeing kickers stand on the sideline bouncing a ball to themselves half the practice until they got to come out and kick. Make these dudes earn their contracts. Let the home team come out. Flip a coin. Do whatever you want to do just like overtime. If you win the toss, you say, all right, I'm going to kick down to that end zone. We're going to kick a 40-yard field goal. If I hit it, 
You got to match it and just keep going back and forth. I'm not mad at that. So kind of like a soccer, hockey. Right. Kind, because kind, of, that, because kind of like a horse. Right. Because yeah, that okay. even player safety, like field goal, you know, on returns, mm-hmm, on a field goal mm-hmm. return, obviously there's there's a little bit of a fear of somebody maybe getting hurt. But field goals aren't the most overwhelmingly physical parts of the game. Okay. I, 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 I like that. I actually don't disagree with that but i i agree with the first point like just do it like college but just not with the 25 i feel like yeah just they still do have to drive but essentially it's just like give both teams a chance to score like i mean that that's just that's just my my opinion give them and if it if they don't if it's still tied do it again stop just let's stop with the ties in the nfl it it's so annoying it's so annoying i was gonna say college rule but instead of starting at the 25 i was gonna say starting midfield I think at least with the 25, though, you, you you have a potential to end the game sooner because there's a better True. chance of someone scoring at the 25. I just think as a fan of any professional sport, and I'm happy hockey got rid of it too and tried to go three-on-three, three, and then they went to the shootout. You had mentioned hockey. Yeah. There's something just as a fan that is just so Deflated. dissatisfying with a tie. Like, you can lose a game and go into it and be like, okay, we did all this wrong. We could have done this, could have done that. I feel like you walk away from a tie and you're like, now, this is just the fan in me. What if we took all the offensive linemen out seven on seven? I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine with that. Heck yeah. I'd be fine with that. Get rid of the helmets, too. Yeah. Go ahead. No you want to get safe? Yeah. Throw your no helmets, helmets off. Throw your shoulder no pads helmets. off. Probably, no helmets. No linemen. Probably not going to work, but at least we are <laughs> sitting here. Put on the flags. Let's go. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Fans out of the stands. You get to pick. If you're not, all right. We're getting a little too ahead of ourselves. That is the Air It Out podcast brought to you by InsideTheHashes.com. Check us out. On all your social media, get all your football info at InsideTheHashes.com. Alabama and Texas A&M this weekend, right? So, yes. So big game in the SEC and college football. We've got your college football, obviously, with the NFL. We've got you covered. So go ahead. Check it out. InsideTheHashes.com. For Christopher Thomas, Avery Collins, Tyler Brando, I am Kevin Crockett saying peace.